Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, praise the Lord, DeSoto, Kansas. Here we are for another great Wednesday night united. I'm believing God for some great, great things uh, that God's going to move us into. And uh, we want to begin a new series tonight uh, entitled Moving Into the Plan and the Purpose of God. Moving into the plan and the purpose of God. And if we had a subtopic, it would be fueled by prayer. Fueled by prayer. Uh, You know, very often, uh, and not so much for probably us, because you're spiritual people, but for many people, prayer, Christian people, prayer is just something they do. It's, it's not looked at, in my mind, in my estimation, uh, along the lines uh, as the Word of God looks at it. Prayer is something that was given to us, obviously, as communication with God, communication to God. But prayer is something that moves things along. Prayer is how help is given in many areas. Brother Hagin said something. Uh, concerning the move of God. And uh, he said this in 2003. He said, but you see, and he was talking about uh, moving into areas of ministry, areas of of, uh, working for the Lord. And he said, you see, moving into that place of ministry, whatever it is, whether it's full-time ministry, pulpit ministry, or personal ministry, or whatever your place is, in the body of Christ, moving into that place. And he said three things. He said, number one, it's fueled by prayer. It's fueled by prayer. Secondly, it's fired by the Spirit. And thirdly, ignited with His glory. And so he focused here on fueled by prayer. And he went on and said, but you see, if there's no fuel there, no prayer... There's nothing to ignite. Notice he said, the Spirit said, fueled by prayer, fired by the Spirit, ignited with His glory. So these things are fueled by prayer. The things that God desires us as a church body, as a fellowship, as a group of people to move into, these things are fueled by prayer. Or we could say it this way, prayer is the fuel. All right, prayer is the fuel to move us into what we desire to move into and what God desires for us to move into because there's a deeper move of the Spirit of God. There is a deeper move that God desires to move us into and we've seen evidence of that in the last few services in our body. A deeper move of the Spirit of God more of an emphasis placed on the moving of the Spirit, the prophetic utterances, the things that are coming forth. Why? God is desiring to move the church and move His people into this deeper move of God. And He said this is going to be fueled 
by prayer. All right? Or they're helped along by prayer. We have to pray into the things that God desires us to walk in and to move into. All right? There are things that must be prayed into in order to walk in them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, the Apostle Paul says something in verses 8 and 9 of 1 Corinthians 16. And, of course, we have 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And for the sake of of what we're going to teach on today, there was a period of time, obviously, between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, a span of time, and we're going to cover that. In 1 Corinthians 16, 8 and 9, Paul says, uh, And it may be that I will abide, yes, and winter with you, that you might, well, that's verse 6. Let's go to verse 8. He said, I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. He's telling them, I won't see you now, all right, because I'm going to tarry, notice where he's going to stay, at Ephesus until Pentecost, until the Feast of Pentecost. For a great door, here's why. For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. He talks about a great door, a large door, a big door. The word in the Greek is megas, M-E-G-A-S, where we get the word mega, all right? A big door, an open door, a great door. And he says it's not only big and open and great, it's effectual, all right? That word effectual carries the idea of energetic. It carries the idea of activity, All right, in other words, there's a great opportunity here, and man, things are popping. All right, in other words, there is a great move of the Spirit here in Ephesus. Hallelujah. And he wrote this letter to the church at Corinth from Ephesus. And he said, I'm not going to see you because of this great, large, mega door of spiritual activity that's been opened to me. Hallelujah. Great and effectual doors of ministry do not just open. They have to be open. They don't just open. They have to be open. John Wesley, who was a major proponent of prayer in his ministry, he made this statement. He said, it seems God can do nothing on the earth unless someone prays. It seems that God can do nothing on the earth unless someone prays. Hallelujah. Now, that may seem a bit elementary because we've had good teaching on prayer, but think about that for a moment. Here is a man that in his generation basically turned his country upside down. And he said, it seems that God can do nothing on the earth unless someone prays. So, in other words, for a move of God, a move of the Spirit, a deeper flow, for it to occur, it's not by chance, it's not random. There's not a prayer wheel in heaven that God spins and decides who's going to get the move of God 
and well, these people over here, maybe they need it, let's see, and, and right, it's, we know it's not that way. But where does that move of God center up? Where does that settling of the glory come to? To the people that are opening those doors through the fuel of prayer. People that are opening those doors through the fuel of prayer. That's why no one in the local church, no one, no leader, no member should ever allow prayer meeting to occur without trying to be there. Because that's the fuel for the service. That's the fuel for the church. Hallelujah. I've heard people say, well, the least attended meetings that we have are prayer meetings. And then you wonder why there's not a deeper move of God in that church. Because fuel is the prayer. Sometimes we can get so busy in the ministry and so busy doing in the ministry. And I get to church and I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I've got to do this. Well, I can go and spend 30 minutes praying. And we're going to get into this in a moment. That utterance will be given. People are going to come to church that Sunday or that Wednesday that need to hear specifically what the Holy Spirit wants to say to them. And that utterance can be greatly affected by the fuel of prayer behind it. By the fuel of prayer behind it. Hallelujah. And so if a group of people take prayer meeting as a take it or leave it proposition, and I'll, I'll do it if I'm not too busy or, you know, when I don't have too much going on. No, listen, prayer is indispensable. Prayer is something that we cannot ever afford to be without. Hallelujah. Because it's, remember, these things are fueled by prayer. There were things that I said Sunday morning in my message that I had no intention of saying, but because the, the fuel of prayer for utterance had been given in prayer meeting, the, 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 the lady, that the dear sister that, that handles our intercessory prayer on Sunday morning, there were things that she prayed in that service, that prayer meeting. There were three of us, by the way, in, in Little Rock in prayer meeting that morning, three of us. And, 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 and I'm saying that because there's more than three people in our church. Hallelujah. And, but she said things in that morning service, in that morning prayer service, about the utterance and giving voice to the word that I believe was fuel for what was said. And the result of it was salvation. The result of it was a young lady raised her hand to be born again and was saved that morning. So to move into this place of a deeper move, of a deeper experience, these things are fueled by prayer. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 12, he says, Paul says, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened unto me of the Lord. 
So again, Paul states to the church, notice at Corinth, and now he's talking to the, in the second letter to the church at Corinth, he states again that a door of ministry was opened to him by the Lord. All right? He tells this church twice, an effectual door of ministry was opened, and then he says to them, a door of ministry was opened by the Lord. Well, we begin to see that this started in Troas, and it began in the book of Acts in, in the familiar passage of Scripture where it says that they wanted to go into Asia at that moment, all right? But he says when we came to Troas, all right, and then we went to this other city, that's when he saw the vision of the man of Macedonia saying, come over here and preach the word to us. So this is when this door began to open, Acts chapter 18. In Acts chapter 18, uh, he, we begin to see something else. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 18. Now remember, Acts chapter 17 is detailing, uh, or excuse me, Acts 18 is detailing Paul's ministry the first time in Corinth. It says in verse 1, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. Then verse 4, And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I'm clean from henceforth. I will go to the Gentiles. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all of his house. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. And then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak and hold not your peace. For I am with you, and no man shall set on you to hurt you, for I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. So this is the record of the founding of the church of Corinth. All right, it's founded right here. Paul was there for a year and a half, planning that church and teaching them the word of God. All right? So we see him planting the church at Corinth. We see him staying there a year and six months, teaching them and growing them up in the Word. All right? Now, in uh, Acts 18, verse 18, and it says, And Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while, and then took his leave of the brethren, and sailed unto Syria with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Chinsaria, for he had a vow. And he came to Ephesus. Notice, he came to Ephesus and left them, Priscilla and Aquila there. But he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And reasoned with the Jews. So this is Paul's first short visit to Ephesus. All right? You see in verse 10, it says, when they desired him to tarry longer time with them, he consented not. So he had this short visit to Ephesus, 
and the response was fairly good. All right, they received him. But between the time of Paul's first visit to Ephesus and second visit to Ephesus, something was happening in Corinth. Something was happening in that church at Corinth. Now, I want to take the time and, and, and talk about this for a moment. Very often when people talk about the church at Corinth, you know, they, they focus on how Paul had to write to them to walk in love and that there were things going on and, and that they were a super spiritual church and they had so many of the gifts of the Spirit that they got puffed up. Yeah, I, I understand that. And I agree with that to an extent. But right on the other hand, they were doing something in that church that was making a difference that was going to impact the world. That was going to impact the world. That was going to impact Asia for years, decades to come. All right? Notice in 2 Corinthians 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And uh, verse 8. Paul says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and does deliver, in whom we trust he will yet deliver us. Notice this. You also, helping together by prayer for us, for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many, many persons, thanks may be given for many on our behalf. The Woos Bible says, you also helping together on our behalf by your supplication. Notice, he uses this phrase, helping together on our behalf by your supplication. And he went on and said, In order that thanksgiving may be given for the gracious mercy shown to us by reason of the many, here it is, who prayed for us. Who prayed for us. So Paul calls the Corinthian church, he calls their praying for him, helping. Helping. All right? The Passion Translation says, as you labor together with us through prayer, because there are so many interceding for us, our deliverance will cause even more people to give thanks to God. What a gracious gift of mercy surrounds us because of your prayers. Because of your prayers. The church at Corinth was interceding for Paul and for his ministry. All right, he's their father in the faith. He's their spiritual father, and he's planted this church, and now he's off on more uh, ministry journeys. And they're not just uh, uh, thinking about him and, and loving him and caring about him. They're praying for him, fueled by prayer. They're praying for him. They're interceding. They're helping together with prayer. Amen. Every pastor, every minister, every 
person in leadership in the body of Christ must have those that are helping together in prayer. Have to have them. Why? Because it's necessary to move that body in the direction that God wants it to move in. It's necessary to see the things that God wants to be seen in that body. Amen. And that's, that's, that's the difference and the distinction between uh, a big church and a strong church. All right? Or let me say it this way even, between a small church and a strong church as well. Because here's the thing. Many people look at a church that has big numbers and they think that's a strong church. It's a strong church if they're making a difference in the spirit. If they're flowing into the things that God wants them to flow into. All right. Then right on the other hand, people say, well, a small church is the strongest church. If they're moving into the things of the spirit. If they're not moving into the things that God wants to move them into, then they're not a strong church. Numbers, big or small, do not make a church strong. What makes a church strong is are they moving into the things that God desires them to move into. Amen. Brother J.R. and Sister Goodwin pastored uh, a church for a number of years in Pasadena, Texas. And they were, they were uh, good friends, uh, some would say best friends with uh, Brother and Sister Hagen. Uh, and, of course, they're all in heaven today. But uh, a question was asked to, bro, to uh, Brother Hagen by a minister that we know. And uh, they asked him this question. They said, in Brother Goodwin's church, now I don't know the exact number, but, but I was told that their church seated about 300, I guess. And that, that church was always full. They were always having to set out chairs, all right, and always packed. And when guest ministers would come, they would just be overflowing. And they asked Brother Hagin this question. Why didn't they ever expand? And he said two reasons. He said, number one, they were landlocked. There was nowhere to expand. And then he said the second reason that, that struck me and stayed with me all these years. He said, and secondly, they would have sacrificed a deeper flow of the Holy Spirit. They would have sacrificed a deeper flow of the Holy Spirit. This is important. It's not saying that God desires uh, small churches or growing churches, however you want to say it. It's saying that you have to recognize where is the flow of the Spirit and what do you need to do to facilitate that, what needs to happen in a body to consistently have the flow of the Spirit, it's fueled by prayer. Fueled by prayer, remember? Ignited by the Spirit and fired by His glory. So I want all of those elements flowing. Amen. A minister said one time he was in a large uh, auditorium and that the, pe the praise and worship was going on. And he said, uh, I was standing there worshiping the Lord. And he said, I opened my eyes and I looked across the, the audience and people had their hands up everywhere. And I said, Lord, isn't this great, the unity and the, and the flow of the Spirit? And uh, uh, he said, the Lord began to tell him that there was not the unity he thought there was. And he began to see in the Spirit. 
And he said, throughout that auditorium, he said, I could only see a few shafts of light. Amen. In other words, everyone there wasn't connecting. Everyone there was not connecting. When you get a church that's praying and providing the fuel to move that body into the direction that God wants it to go, and people all begin to connect on the same level spiritually and on the same uh, plane, if you will, it's, it's, it's not just are they, do they all have the same vision. That's a large part of it. But are, are people pushing into the fuel of prayer that's moving that body in the direction that it needs to go? Amen. That's, that's so important. That's so important. Every department leader needs to be praying. And I'm not just talking about praying at home. If I lead a department, people in my department need to see me praying. They need to know that I care enough about what's going on in my church that I'm going to show up at prayer meeting and I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray and I'm, I'm going to get the directive that God wants me to have and I'm going to move in that channel. Amen. Because that's the fuel for prayer or, or the fuel for that body. And so Paul says you helped together with your prayers. Hallelujah. So every pastor, every minister must have those that are helping together with prayer. Charles Finney, of course, uh, uh, considered by some to be maybe the greatest evangelist ever, or at least one of them, uh, uh, the, the, one, of the, one of the first people in the 1800s, he won over a thousand people to over one hundred thousand people to Jesus at, at that time early on in his ministry. Just tremendous evangelist, tremendous soul winner. But he said something. He said, "I found that the way to have revival is you got to pray it down. You got to pray revival down." And the Lord supernaturally connected him to a man named Daniel Nash. He was referred to by many as Father Nash. He was, a, he was a minister, a man of prayer, a tremendous man of prayer. And they hooked up and they teamed up. And of course, Finney was a great man of prayer as well. But Nash would travel with Finney to the cities that they went into. And he would go two or three days in advance and, and maybe take one or two people with him. And they would, they, would, they would rent a room or rent a home or whatever. And they would pray. And they would begin to pray for those meetings and pray that people would be saved. And pray that there would be a move of the Holy Spirit. And Finney said, it's these people, and he named these different people, including Nash that traveled with him, that are responsible for what's going on because they're praying the spirit of revival down in these cities. So as great as of a minister as he was and as anointed as he was, what he's saying is that these meetings are fueled by prayer. And, and any minister, any person will be limited, all right, in the utterance that they can, that they can produce if there's not the fuel of prayer behind it. Fuel of prayer in their personal life 
and fuel of prayer in the body that they're a part of. Amen. And so, glory to God. In Acts 19, verse 1, It says, and it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, so Apollos is there preaching, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. He came to Ephesus. Notice that. Hallelujah. And then verse 8. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when diverse or different ones were hardened, or their hearts were hardened and believed not, but spoke evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus, school of ministry. And this continued by the space of two years. Now think about that. And then it says this, so that all that dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. So the effectual door of utterance was at least partly due to the prayers of the church at Corinth. Fueled by prayer. Helping together with prayer. Now it says all that dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. Both Jews and Greeks. The province of Asia would have covered no less than one-third of Turkey. One-third of that nation. And Scripture says everybody that dwelt there heard the Word of God. A great and effectual door of utterance has been opened. And he's writing that to the church at Corinth, who Paul said, you are helping me together with your prayers. Your prayers are helping me do this. And so Paul says, Luke, writing in the book of Acts, says that all of Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. We, we, I, I, I referenced Charles Finney, and he went into an area in, in the, the, the East Coast, up around uh, uh, New York and whatnot. They called it the Burned Over District. In other words, there had been so many people that had come through their preaching that it was just a hard area. Finney went in there with his prayer team and went in there and began to have revivals and things began to happen. Things began to shake. I mean, the students in the, in the school got on fire for God and, began, and got saved and began to change. Uh, bars were shut down. Uh, people came to God by the thousands. It, at the end of those meetings... People said you couldn't go into the bank, you couldn't go into a store, you couldn't go anywhere that people weren't talking about God 
and talking about the things of God, yet people said it was a burnt over district and that nobody wanted the things of God. But when the, the ministry came in there fueled by prayer, everything changed. Even the enemies of his ministry changed and began to uh, 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 work with him and help him do what God wanted him to do. Why? Fueled by prayer. Fueled by prayer. And so Paul goes into this area of Ephesus, and we know from the, the stories we read in the book of Acts, uh, Ephesus was an exceedingly wicked city. They were devoted to the worship of the goddess Diana, it, uh, just a horrible pagan culture. And Paul goes here to the synagogue, and different ones in the synagogue harden their hearts to it, and so Paul just went to this, this school of Tyrannus, school of ministry, and began to minister there. And for two solid years, he ministered the word until one-third of the nation of Turkey, all of Asia, heard the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. And even beyond that, aprons and handkerchiefs were taken from Paul's body and when they were laid on sick people, they were healed. And when they were laid on demon-possessed people, the demons left. Now, people will read that and they'll say, Oh, for a move of God like the book of Acts. Fueled by prayer. Fueled by prayer. Fueled by prayer. Ignited by the Spirit. Fired by His glory. Do you see that? Hallelujah. It's not just Paul's preaching. It's not just Paul's anointing. There was a door that was open to him because somebody was praying. Somebody was providing the fuel with him. Hallelujah. I can pray and hear from God. And if the ears that I'm speaking what I have heard from God, if the ears that I'm speaking that to are not open to hear the utterance, nobody's helped. And that's why many churches have begun to rely on programs and they've begun to rely on ministries. And what I mean by that is, you know, they put a lot of emphasis on what will attract families and what will attract people to the church. And, and we need to have things for everybody to do, for every age group, and I understand that. But here's the issue. When you begin to put the emphasis on something to fuel the ministry that the Bible doesn't say, then you're, built, you're building that thing on a shaky foundation. Hallelujah. Fueled by prayer. Fueled by prayer. Every church should be praying that utterance is given to their pastor. Every church should be praying that when there's a guest minister, there would be utterance that's given. Faith explosion that's coming up in just a, a few short weeks. Right now, you should be praying that utterance will be given to Pastor Caldwell and I so that we can speak things into the church that's going to not only, not only uh, 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 excite and not only bring a sense of victory, but that will move that church in a direction. Move this body in a direction. Anytime you have a general of the caliber of Pastor Caldwell that comes into your midst, it is our responsibility to fuel that service by prayer. 
It is our responsibility to pray. Not only, Lord, we'll have a good meeting, but, Lord, give Pastor Caldwell exactly what he needs to say, exactly the words that need to be spoken so that the people in attendance can move in a direction into the deeper things of God, into a deeper move of the Spirit of God. Every time there's a service in a church, something should change. Something should be different. Something should, something should shift. Why? Because God never has a minister, a pastor, an evangelist, a guest minister. He never has them come and just say something just to be preaching fodder. It's designed to move the church in a direction fueled by prayer. Fueled by prayer. Amen. And, and, and when a church, a group of people, when they begin to make prayer a secondary issue, a secondary issue, a secondary issue, take it or leave it, I'll be there if I've got time. Oh, well, Pastor, you know, I get up in the morning and I pray. Yeah, you pray alone, but you don't pray with the people. You don't come together as a body. Acts chapter 4. I don't, I, don't, I don't guess I need to go over there. I've taught on that over the years. But Acts chapter 4. When the disciples were facing a challenge, what did they do? First step, they went back to their own company. Second step, what did they do? Reported unto them all that the chief priests and scribes had said to them. Hallelujah. What was the third step? And they all lifted up their... They all, they all, they all lifted up their voice in unity and prayed. The disciples prayed. The apostles prayed. Or everybody. Everybody. Everybody prayed. Amen. This is, this is not an indictment on your prayer time or what you do or what you don't do. It's the importance of coming together as a body and saying today we're going to move this in a certain direction. Amen. Hallelujah. Do, do, do you see that? And so, when you have a meeting, a special meeting, and every service is special, but when you have meetings that are divine moments in time, that God has something specific to say, all right, I need to be praying that utterance will be given. What do you need to hear tonight? What do you need to hear on Wednesday night? You can believe and pray right now that you'll hear it. And that utterance will be given to your pastor. Amen. Well, you know, so-and-so uh, uh, -so was ministering the other night, and, you know, they're not my favorite minister. Well, that's why you didn't get anything. Because you didn't pray for utterance for them. But if I'm praying for utterance, Lord, the person that's speaking tonight, give them utterance to speak into my life those things that are going to move me forward, those things that are going to cause our body to grow. Now, you have just fueled that service with prayer. You've just fueled that atmosphere with prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. So they need to pray. We need to pray that utterance is given 
so that that person will say exactly what needs to be heard. Fueled by prayer. Why? Because I need to hear those words from heaven. I need to hear those words that God desires to be spoken into the earth. I'm going to show you something in just a moment. This, this is so important. When uh, the Lord asked my wife and I, number one, and I can say this about both churches, when the Lord asked us, number one, to go to DeSoto, I knew the Lord had asked us to go there. I knew that because he had spoken directly to me. I didn't know why he had asked me to go there. This is important. Hear me. And so I've, I've told you this story about meeting with the board, and, and I told the board, if you make me the pastor, you'll be in the will of God. If you don't, you won't, and so on and so forth. But here's something that I want you to understand. Every Monday night, there was a group of people meeting and praying. And they were praying for their church. And their specific request was, God, send us a pastor who will stand for what's right and is not concerned about what people think and will take this church into the move of God you want it to be in. Amen. Now, I didn't know this until after I was the pastor. They prayed that way for months. Is a group of women. That got together. Part of that group was Marie Price and, and Kathleen, uh, Pastor Cat, and Kathleen's mother, who is in heaven today, Jean Tillery, and, and some others. But those three primarily were meeting and praying and saying, God, send us the person that's going to speak the word of God and speak the things of God and move this church in the direction that you want it to go. Now, it's, it's, it's not pointing a finger at me as, as just the answer to that prayer. It's that God had a fuel provided by those prayers that He could begin to move in my heart about what I needed to do. Because when I went to DeSoto, and I, I held a week's meeting there, and quite frankly, could not have cared if I ever went back. I, I thought it was stuffy and religious and stuck in the 70s. That's exactly what I thought. And had no desire to go back. And that's no reflection on anybody that was there. But that's, that, that was the spiritual atmosphere. But on Monday nights, there was these ladies praying. And so on a Wednesday night, when I was ministering the message, the Lord could minister to me and say, Now, make yourself available to pastor this church. Where did that utterance come from? How was it that God could get that to me at that moment? Number one, I was open to the Spirit. Number one, somebody was praying that somebody that wanted a move of God and that wanted to be obedient to what God wanted to do, they were praying that somebody, that man, that woman, would hear from God and respond to the call. Utterance. Amen. And then I've told you the story that, that, that God said to me when I was praying there that Monday night under the, under the piano on the platform. He said to me, he said, you were not my first choice for this church, you were third. And that's not a knock, that's not degrading. All right, he wasn't saying, you know, you're not the best, you're third best. It's not what he was saying. 
He's saying, I dealt with two other people to do what I'm asking you to do, and they wouldn't do it. Now, will you do it? You're the third one I've asked. Amen. Now, here's the thing. I'm third. How did I get there? Somebody prayed. Somebody was praying, God, bring somebody that will do what you're asking them to do. Bring somebody that will fight this religion. Bring somebody that has the tenacity to stand up to these religious spirits and fight them and break this church out of the rut it's been in. Amen. They prayed that way for years. Well, it happened December 1998. It changed. Amen. Do do you see that? Everything that we are doing as a fellowship and as a church, there are people that have prayed for us to be doing it, and they prayed it years ago, and many of them don't don't even know it. Some of them are in heaven. Amen. When God asked Pastor Michelle and I to pastor in Little Rock, to pastor the church in Little Rock, and, and, and uh, uh, when, when I began to be there uh, more full time and, and, and more regular, I was praying in the, in the student room one day. Hallelujah. And the Lord said this to me. He didn't give me a number, but he said, I ask others to do what you're doing, and they wouldn't do it. And he said, I knew you would. But then he said something to me recently that I never thought of. And he just brought it into my spirit. He said, there are people that prayed things years ago that you're picking up in the spirit now in this church. And they prayed it out in the spirit years ago and provided the fuel, and now you're here picking it up in the Spirit, and you're going to accomplish what they prayed out. Amen. Why? Because there are things God desires to be spoken into the earth. There are specific things that God desires to be spoken into DeSoto. There are things that God desires to be spoken into that region that region of Johnson County, that region of Mid-America, that region where we are right in the exact geographical center of the United States, Lawrence, Kansas, 13 miles from DeSoto, the exact geographical center of the United States of America. There's a reason that God has placed this voice in that location. It's because there's something that He wants to be sounded forth to go into the earth. And they are words from heaven. Words from heaven that that region needs to hear. Hallelujah. When Paul, what Paul needed to speak was the key for freedom to this region. If he doesn't speak and this effectual door of utterance is not open, multiplied thousands, hundreds of thousands of people don't get set free. And they don't hear the word of God. But yet, because there were people praying with him, and Paul was willing to do what the Holy Spirit was asking him to do, 
All of Asia heard the word. All of them heard the word of God. I don't know that all of them got saved, but everybody heard it. No one in that region is without excuse or, or with, uh, has an excuse. Now think about that. And the church at Corinth is praying. The church at Corinth is praying. Hallelujah. So when I begin to pray, that utterance will be given. When, when I'm in any meeting, well, when I'm ministering, I, I really pray this way, Lord, give me utterance that I can say what needs to be said. But when I'm in a meeting where someone else is preaching in my church, in a conference, wherever I'm at, my prayer before I go to that meeting is, Lord, help, and I'll name the speaker, to say today exactly what I need to hear, exactly what the people need to hear. Lord, give them utterance. In the local church, that's so important. It's so important because those things are fueled by prayer. Hallelujah. The word that is spoken to our churches from the pulpit is the key, in many cases, to the city. It's the key to the city. It's the key to the city. The word that's spoken from our pulpits. Because those are the utterances. I'm reminded of the, of the things that the Lord told Pastor Caldwell when, when he was pastor in Agape Church. One, one, one of the things was beginning to declare that Jesus is Lord over Little Rock. Jesus is Lord over Little Rock. He would say constantly, when you go back and listen to his messages over the years, he would say constantly, God has given this city into our hands for the preaching of the gospel. Constantly relating the vision. Not just talking to fire people up. That's the utterance. That's the utterance that needs to be said. We are not here just to have church. We're not here just to be another church on the corner. We are here to build faith and frame worlds by the word of God, raising up a spiritual production center that will touch city, state, nation, and world. That's a Holy Spirit utterance. And so everything begins, that needs to be said over the region. That needs to be said over the city. That needs to be said. There are things that God needs to say over the people. Why do you think every year God will give us a, people in, in, in uh, uh, word circles call it a word from God for every year, an utterance. Every year. What's the utterance for this year? This is the year of expectation, manifestation, transformation. Amen. A year of the, of the manifestation of your expectation. Yeah, but pastor, look at all that's went on. Yes, and God gave us an utterance before any of it happened that changed it for your life. Fueled by prayer. Fueled by prayer. Father, thank you that you're speaking to my pastor about the year coming up. Father, thank you that the voices that ring and resonate in my life are receiving information about the year coming up. Father, thank you in the name of Jesus. And, and, and the Lord only, well, this is all I'm at liberty to share right now. When the Lord said Sunday morning that 2021 coming up was a year of light and magnificent victory, that's an utterance from heaven. That's something that needs to be spoken. It needs to be said. Glory to God. 
needs to be said. Because those are words from heaven. Words from heaven. When you come to the church on Wednesday night or Sunday morning or Sunday night, ever who's ministering, you are not hearing from a man or a woman. You're hearing from heaven. You're hearing from heaven. I know the people that I allow in the pulpit and that I place in the pulpit. I know they're hearing from heaven. They can hear from heaven and yet you not hear what they're hearing from heaven if it's not fueled by prayer. Amen. So, I'll be very frank and very honest. So if prayer meeting starts at 9, I need to be at church early so I can go and add some fuel. Hallelujah. I can hear how quiet it got. Amen. Why? Because I want to go add some fuel to the fire. I want to hear everything that God has for me to hear. Hallelujah. Every church. Well, let, let, let me say this. Look at Ephesians 6. <clears throat> I don't want to leave out Ephesians 6. And uh, 18, Ephesians 6 and 18. Now remember that Ephesians is written to the church at Ephesus that Paul started in the book of Acts with a great two-year move of God in which everyone in Asia heard the word. It was the seat. It was the epicenter, the spiritual epicenter of that entire region. As a matter of fact, it was still in operation all those years later when the Apostle John received the revelation on the Isle of Patmos and one of the first churches that he spoke to was the church at Ephesus. And he told them to repent and do their first works over again. Do you know history records that they did repent and went on to be a strong influence for the next 200 years? Amen. Why? Fueled by prayer. So Paul in Ephesians 6 is writing to that church. And very often when we, when we read this chapter and we read the, 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 the full armor of God, of course it's written to us. But I, but I want you to see something here. Because these are instructions. These are instructions of how to pray. What to pray for. Who to pray for. Ephesians 6 and 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication. Notice, for all saints. So pray for all saints this way. Verse 19. And for me. In other words, 
The subject hadn't changed. And when you pray for me, here's what to pray. That utterance may be given to me. That I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So he's instructing the church to pray in the Spirit, pray for all saints. Then he says, pray for me that utterance will be given. That I may boldly speak the word of God that he's given me. He instructs the church to pray that he would have utterance. Hallelujah. See, you can't take verse 10 through verse 16 and leave out verse 18 and 19. Well, I got the helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, shoes of peace, belt of truth, sword of the spirit. Whoo! I'm ready. Praying always. With all prayer and supplication in the spirit for all saints and for me. That utterance may be given. So you can stand there fully armored, fully clothed in the, in the things of the spirit and make no headway because you're leaving out prayer. Specifically, prayer for utterance. Amen. I've always been a pastor's friend. I, I've told people for years, I'd make a great number two man. Amen. I, I'm your two. I, I got your, I'm on your six. All right? I, I, th honestly, there, there, especially in the beginning days of my pastoring, that's all I wanted to do. There were times I wanted to tell the Lord, look, let me just go sit under a great pastor and I'll be a great number two man to him and I'll do whatever he needs me to do. I thrive in that role. I, I'm telling you, I thrive in that role. And I would hear people say, ah, you know, I don't know about my pastor. He's just not, I don't know, he's just not, I, he just don't have it, just not bringing it. Hmm. Are you praying for him? That he would have utterance? You know, that's really a very selfish, self-centered, prideful statement. I don't know, you know, pastor used to, I don't know, he just, I don't know. You know, he's, he's stuck on this thing, you know, uh, uh, what has your attention? I mean, he's been ministering to us about what has your attention for weeks, and I mean, Come on, you know, I'm ready to hear something else. Or whatever it may be. Man, I remember when I went and went, first went to Pastor Morton's church, I don't know how many weeks that he preached on it, but every time we would come to service, he would turn to Luke chapter 4.18 and take us over to Luke chapter 4.18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. And he would go through that and talk about the anointed one and his anointing and how important the anointing was. And it was so tempting at times when he would say, Luke 4, you could quote it, you knew what he was going to say, just kind of sit there and, and, you know, open your Bible so people won't think you're backslid, but, you know, open your Bible and just kind of, eh, you know, and kind of nod knowingly. And I wouldn't have received anything. Because utterance was coming forth, but it would not have impacted me. You follow me? 
So Paul said, I want you to pray for me that utterance would be given. Ever what anointing's there? Because on my life, in the office, the, the primary office of pastor that I stand in, pastors are apt to teach. I will preach when the occasion arises and the anointing's there. But pastors are apt to teach. And I notice something, that very often people will come to our churches and they'll come in a season when God has us in that preaching mode, that declaring mode, and I mean we're having those powder keg services, all right? And I love it. I love it when God moves that way. But remember that a pastor's primary job is to teach and feed the flock. And so God will move in those, in those spectacular ways, and people will get, people will get help. And, and it'll happen that way for weeks at a time. I've seen it for months at a time. But I know what's going to happen. Eventually, we're going to come from here to here. Because if you're all spirit, you blow up. You don't have any solidity. If you're all word, you dry up. You got to have a mix. But we'll go from here to here. There are people that want it all up here. They're not listening for the utterance. They just like the moving of the spirit and the manifestation. But there are things that God will say even in those moments that move a body forward. And the, and the Lord said something to me one time. Many of you will remember it. He said, there are people that are going to your church. And he said this uh, uh, probably three years ago. He said, there are people that are in your church. And he said, when I move the church forward into another anointing and to another move of the Spirit, he said, they're not going to go. Because they haven't prepared themselves. So the utterance here needs to be heard. But then it will, and I say calm down, it's, it's the moving of the Holy Spirit either way. But then you'll hit that season where there's a lot of teaching. And there's a lot of growing. And there's a lot of progression. Utterances are being said. And I've noticed something. People that only come for the, the manifestation and the moving of the Spirit and, and, and the running and the jumping and the shouting that we love to do, if that's all they're there for, when, it's, when you enter into that teaching season, that growing season, that progressing season, they will exit to go find somewhere that's at this level of ecstasy that they want to be at. And that's how the devil does things. He tries to push people away from the utterance over into what my pastor calls effervescence, over into extremism. Amen. When what we need to be hearing is what the utterance of the Holy Spirit is. Hallelujah. 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 And this faith explosion, the Lord says, this faith explosion coming up in September, this faith explosion is one that is marked down on heaven's calendar. This is not just a meeting that you decided to have, and it's not just a meeting of men and women, and it's not just a time of human words. It is something that is marked down on heaven's calendar for a shift forward that will reverberate through generations. 
it will reverberate through generations. Not only in this time coming are there answers. Not only are there answers. There are life-defining answers that will be heard. That will be spoken. So listen close, the Lord says, for this, this time coming up. These days in September. These days of this faith explosion are going to be just that, an explosion of faith. And you shall, you shall be changed. And you shall receive answers. Oh, Father, I receive. So every church body has to give adequate time to intercessory prayer. Adequate time to intercessory prayer. I really, I really, 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 really struggled this year with Bible school. I really, I really struggled. And the reason I struggled was I'm replacing intercessory prayer. And that bothered me. It did bother me. Because that was time we were giving to the things of God, to, to prayer, fueling some things. And then I just came to this place that I've got to be strong and be the pastor I am and tell you, if we're going to have intercessory prayer on Sunday morning, you have a responsibility to be there. Hallelujah. Because that's the time that God has had us set aside to fuel these things of prayer. And if, if, if it gets too big for the room, we'll move into the sanctuary. Hallelujah. And the whole church can pray. <laughs> but the point is, is every church has to give that adequate time to prayer. Why? That, so the church can move into all God's plan for them. Sunday morning prayer. You should take your prayer cues from your pastor. What's being said about your church? What's being said about the fellowship? What's being said about what God wants to do? then you take that, you take that uh, piece of paper that you have that you wrote down the, the, the word from the Lord. Expectation, manifestation, transformation. You take that into your prayer time and you pray over it. This is my prayer cues. These are my prayer cues. Father, I know this is a year of decision. I know it's a year that a stand will have to be made. And so, Father, we stand on the Word, and we stand for the Word. And we expect a manifestation this year like we've never seen before. Amen. Because I'm taking my prayer cues from what God said. I'm taking my prayer cues from what the Lord has said to my pastor and said to the people in responsibility over my soul. Fueled by prayer, ignited by the Spirit, fired by His glory. Those are the things we're moving into. Those are the things that God desires to move us into. Amen. Hallelujah. And how are they, how are they, how are they fueled? By prayer. They're fueled by prayer. Hallelujah. So, Father, we thank You tonight. We thank You that You've ministered to us. We thank You that You have... Uh, opened our spirit to receive those things that you deem important. 
and that you deem to be uh, crucial for this season that we're moving into. Lord, this, this end of this year, Lord, of 2020, uh, a year that you told us to expect the double, double expectation. Father, we're still expecting that. Lord, we stand as your people and we, we humble ourselves before you. And Lord, we say that if we have lowered our expectation from being double, we repent. And Lord, we say that was an utterance from you and we're going to get our expector back up where it needs to be and we're going to expect double from you this year. Father, from the, the, the month of August through the month of December, we're putting our faith out there to receive double in the year that you said would be a year of double expectation. Yeah, 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 the pieces are coming together. The pieces are coming together. What seemed to be fragmented and what seemed to be splintered and what seemed to be piece, pieces that have been uh, uh, strewn about, no, they're going to come back together. And even those things that seem like they have fallen apart, they're going to be put back together. Answers, answers, answers. Answers to the question answers to the reasons, answers to the whys. Oh, you're going to see the bridge, the bridge over the divide, the bridge over the river, the bridge over the impasse. There is a bridge, there is a way over to what you see God wants you to have that will take you from where you are into what He wants you to have. Mereve, shekere, gonomo, gorimbreshteke, broshte, breshte, grevreshte, the light will get brighter, 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 so that even in the darkest time, it'll look like daylight where you're at because the light will be so bright. Breshneme, gombreshte, brostika, broshte, grebre, brehehe, O mama ere brishna, o namangre breshte, o re breshte, o me breshte, o bre breshte, o re bre gre bre gre bro breshte, e mama she, e bo koko koshe ke, e she, e she, o ma she, e ba she, o ka ba she, e she, e she, o ho, 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 o, 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 she, o, o, she. Okay, eh, she, oh, 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 she, eh, oh, oh, she, ke, he, ima, she, oh, oh, me, she, he, mm, ama, she, he, oh, okay, he, 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 oh, ma, he, he, oh, she, eh, mm, asha, and father, oh, she, eh, ke, oh, sha, asha, oh, the glory, 
Oh, the glory. Oh, the glory will be seen. Okay. Eshe. Oma. Emeshe. Omakaha. Oho. Osha. Esha. Osha. Esha. Komashe. Eshe. Omameshe. Obabeshe. Emamamasheke. Oh. Okashe. Oh. The glory door. The glory door. The glory door. The glory door. Shoma. Kesha. Oba. Esha. Oba. Eba. Oba. Eba. Obashe. Oh Lord. Oh Lord. The glory door. The glory door is open. The glory door is open. Oma. Shekaba. Oba. Esha. Oba. Sheke. Eshekebe. Oma. Mashebe. Iba. Dabosh. Negebo. Oba. Bashebe. Oma. Mabeshebe. Ota. Ehe. Ere broshne, ene mokore vrishe, ehe, 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 ehe. It cannot be stopped. It cannot be stopped. It cannot, ha, ha, ama shama. It'll not be hindered. It'll not be hindered. It'll not be hindered. It'll not be hindered. O beshekebe, o mama beshebe, o mama beshege, o la bashele beke, iga da bashoba. Mmm, mmm, oh, eh. She ko ma she o la she e kasha o shabahaya o babashaya o namashebe bo shekere bo shamaha ko ma shekere bashi o bashebe hehe amahaha o sha esha Hallelujah. 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 Meshakaya. Kamashe bokoshe mahaya. O babashike bosho mahaya. Hallelujah. 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 And so, and so, and so it shall all come to pass. And so it shall all be done. Ke mashaka. Ola basheke. Ola beshika. Loga da beshika. Hallelujah. 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 Well, stand on your feet, everybody. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just exit your presence in this atmosphere of your glory. We exit with the intention of keeping this residue in the name of Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word.
Meu Lord, oh 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 Lord. Lord, what is that? Lord, 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 what is that? Oh God, oh God. Oh, oh, <laughs> and I see the United States, and I see the states on the map, and I see them in the political colors, red states, blue states. And I see at the top of the United States between the borders of Canada and America. I see the bloodline. And I see the blood begin to flow. I desire to bathe this nation in the blood of Jesus. There are strongholds. There are strongholds in states strongholds that have become strongholds of the devil. As I said in Revelation, they've become synagogues of Satan. And they are burning those states up. They are destroying them from the inside. It's eating like a cancer. And what I showed you, that blackness, That horrible, ugly blackness is that very thing that's trying to eat those states alive. But I desire the blood of Jesus to cover. I desire the blood of Jesus to bring life. Intercede for those states. Intercede for those people. For their leaders are putting them in a position that's tying my movement, hindering what I'm able to do. My plan is the rebirth of this nation. And as I told Paul, there's a great and effectual door that's open and many adversaries But I've given my church the power and the authority to pull down strongholds, to pull down principalities and powers. And if you'll take your place, this destruction can be averted. It can be stopped. It can be turned. Because the blood is flowing. The blood is flowing. Oh God. God, spare those people. God, spare those people. Father, spare those people. I lift my voice and I say, God, spare those people whose leaders are opening doors, opening doors to judgment, 
opening doors to destruction. Lord, spare them. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your leading and guiding. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.